You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hello to everyone listening. Today's topic is something that comes up a lot when we are talking about money. Does money lead to happiness? Wow, that's pretty deep, Wit. <laughs> right, I know. However, it definitely is an interesting question that may not have a definite answer. True. I have known people who had little money but were happy, and others who had a lot and were miserable. That's such a good point. I think oftentimes people feel that they need to have a lot of things and spend a lot of money and they build up all of this stuff around them because in their minds that equals happiness. And so we see that correlation between money and happiness so much in these conversations. But in looking around, does that really make you happy? We talk about the lottery and factoring that in. In looking at people who win all this money and now they go from maybe living an average life to living the life of a millionaire, they can have anything they want. They can go and do and experience all these different things. But oftentimes they look back and say, well, I'm really not any happier than I was before. And in some cases, maybe even more miserable to your point. True. I feel money can take away worries. It's a, a definite there. But does it really lead to happiness? And I've told my story somewhat before, whereas Tracy did stay at home and raised Ava and Ella, living on my salary of $42,000 a year. At that time, I was a first grade teacher. And you know, I really had to learn how to manage money, right? That's those lessons that I self-taught, and now I get to help others and teach them as well. But I look back at that time, and our date night sometimes consisted of a Subway sub and a Redbox movie, right? So then we fast forward eight years later, Tracy goes back to work as a teacher, and then I actually left teaching. I was in the investment world. I would say at that time, our salary, maybe not quite triple, but close to what we were making when she was a stay-at-home mom, we weren't happier. I'm going to tell you that right now. We had more things on our plate. It was more stressing. And in fact, it got to the point such that Tracy actually, after three years of working full-time, went back and started working part-time just because it was too much. So yes, it was nice to have more money, but I know for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so happy now that I'm making this, able to buy stuff, buy more things, maybe drive a nicer car, but ultimately I wasn't happier. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's taking it back to that old saying, it's the simple things in life. I do believe that firmly. And I faced a similar situation when I was much younger and in graduate school, I was working this job and it was just a completely toxic environment. But I'm on my own for the first time. I'm having to make these big girl decisions. And so it was risk my personal happiness and my health because of a toxic environment or risk my lifestyle and, and my money. And so ultimately, I was able to transition away and go to a different job. But there was a time period there where I wasn't working. And so it was, you know, ramen noodles and PB&J. But I was so thankful to not be in that environment. And it really made me appreciate some of those smaller things of getting into a job where I had my sanity back. I think it's probably great that you found that out 
at an earlier age. Because I do think what happens to a lot of us is we live up to that lifestyle of what our income is and sometimes even exceed it. So then it's like, how do we make that change now? Luckily for you, it was when you were a little bit younger, but you know, once life happens and you have the mortgage, you got the car payments, maybe you have kids, you have all these other responsibilities. And then it's like, whoa, how in the world I'm not happy at work? But yet, how can I cut back because I've got all these bills to pay? Hopefully, some of our listeners may just be starting out. And that's for me. And you know, we, we mentor and, and are experts in all sorts of financial situations and, and trying to help people with their money. But for me, money and happiness, I feel like it leads to having opportunities. And that's kind of the way I've always viewed money is that I want it to act as a way that lead to something that gives me contentment. So if I have a job that I'm not happy with, that I spend the majority of my week at, I don't want to be there. So I'm going to try to find a way to change it and not live up to my lifestyle. So it's one of those things that I do. We'll go back. I know the topic is money and happiness. And yes, it does feel good to buy things. Absolutely. No one will say that it doesn't. But does it ultimately lead to that complete satisfaction? And I think for many, they realize it doesn't. As someone that I worked with early on in my financial services career, Aaron Botsford, used to say that money gives you options. Money doesn't give you feelings, it gives you options. So that's a clear difference I think that we're uncovering here is that money is a tangible thing whereas happiness is a feeling. Sure, and I think money makes us more of who we really are. Like if you're a giver and you get more money, what are you gonna do? You're probably gonna give more money. But if you're stingy, you're probably gonna complain at how much taxes are taken out. It's just one of those things that I do think it does make us more of who we are, but ultimately at least I don't feel like it does lead to happiness. It's not the end all be all. So we've been discussing if money truly makes us happy, and it seems like you and I are coming to somewhat of a consensus. But what if I told you that there is in fact an income in which people who make this amount feel they are the happiest? Coming up next, that magical salary. Welcome back to Run With The Bulls. Before the break, you teased us a bit, Whitney. (laughs) You claim that there is a salary that makes us happy. I can't stand the wait. How much do I need to make to be happy? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. So in 2009, psychologist Daniel Kahneman and economist Angus Deaton conducted a study on 450,000 Americans. They discovered that a yearly salary of $75,000 is the number after which people's day-to-day happiness no longer improves. So you mean to tell me I will not be happier if I get that $100,000 raise? Which reminds me, my annual review is coming up. Be prepared. (laughs) I'm going to keep this study in mind during your review, Danny. Don't you worry. But the study does go on to show that as people earn more money, their day-to-day happiness rises until they hit 75000 After that, it's just more stuff with no gain and happiness. It doesn't mean that the wealthy and ultra-wealthy aren't equally as happy. Having more money does not boost people's life assessment all the way up the income ladder, in other words. People who earn $180,000 a year reported more overall satisfaction than people earning $100,000. Makes sense. 
But according to Kahneman and Deaton's study, someone making $375,000 a year, for example, will not be happier on a day-to-day basis than someone with an annual salary of $75,000. They will probably feel they have a better overall life. Huh. I, I think I can see that. I mean, for most of us, $75,000 will probably cover our needs, and it usually leaves us enough left over to do as we see fit, whether that's working on something we feel passionate about, or maybe that's going on a family vacation. But after reading this study, I was intrigued. As a former school teacher, I know that teaching usually ranks among the most satisfying jobs and wanted to see what other careers ranked high in overall contentment and what their average salaries were. So I did a little Google search, and there's plenty of of surveys out there, but one of the one I found, it was the top 10 most satisfying careers and their average annual salary. And these are careers like operating engineer, psychologist, artist, teacher, author. But getting back to the study, out of those 10 jobs, there was only one one of them that made above that magical number. So a lot of them, like with the the physical therapist, a firefighter, and actually number one was a clergyman. Those are the most satisfying careers, yet it's interesting that that magical salary, it was below what they said we needed to do to be happy. That's very interesting. Despite this, though, many people in these professions are very satisfied and content in their chosen paths. Why is that so? Uh, Many of the careers that earn below that 75,000 magical number, yet people are satisfied, they are calling. So the people who have jobs in those fields, they usually got into them because they are passionate about what they do first and foremost. I mean, right now, these days, it's hard to complain about low pay since so many are struggling and would love a bigger paycheck. But I think most would agree, and we'll go back up to this one, the firefighter. The average salary was $44,504, right? I think most would agree that a fireman has to have a passion for rescuing others, willingly risking his or her life, and isn't just doing it for the $44,000 a year that they make. So when you have a job that you feel is your calling, you don't necessarily need to make a large salary to feel contentment. Could not have said that better myself. I think there are a lot of people who feel this pressure to go into these big white-collar careers or or money-making careers because they're searching for that number and they're wanting to obtain these goals and they feel they can't do that in life unless they go after that career. In fact, maybe even that pressure is from the family taking over the family business. You know, I see lots of families where the grandfather was a lawyer, then the father, then the son, and it's kind of expected to trickle down and take over over the firm. However, maybe that's not what leads to that individual's happiness or maybe not where their strengths lie. And so that can cause some discontentment and issues. And then it becomes more about chasing that dollar than it does chasing the happiness. Sure. And I actually have an example of a friend that I knew that he lived in probably one of the most exclusive neighborhoods I'd ever been in. And I'm like, gosh, you've got it made. You are living the dream, a sweet house, swimming pool. I mean, all of it. He was part of of this professional group. They got invited to a professional golfer's house down in Florida. He went down there. So he comes back and he's telling me, you know, this golfer has like four Porsches and has like bays for all these. And it just made me realize, you know, I still have a long way to go. 
And I'm thinking you know, myself, I think at the time he was living his house with probably 6,000 square feet. That time my house was like 1,500 square feet. And like, it was really eye-opening. Like it goes to show like, you know, no matter how much we have, someone always has more, right? Unless you're the wealthiest man on earth and there's only one of those. So I, I think it's just interesting that if we do tie happiness and money, I think most of the time we're probably going to be pretty disappointed. Right. It's almost like a barometer or a scale where we have to check the balance to see how much are we willing to give to get and vice versa. So coming up next, Danny is going to quiz me on a piece of financial advice from an unexpected source. Welcome back. So before the break, you mentioned I was going to give you a little quiz. There are many financial experts that give great insight into money theories, people such as Warren Buffett and Janet Yellen. However, one of the most intriguing interviews I've ever heard came from an unexpected source. You ready to listen? I'm ready. Take a guess who dropped this knowledge on us, Wit. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is just something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff say. <laughs> okay, this is going to be tough. So, Whitney, who did this great financial wisdom come from? Hmm. Well, I think the gist of that that I got is more money, more problems. I'm willing to say it probably wasn't Dave Ramsey. Nope, wasn't him. Um, didn't sound like Jim Cramer. Negative. One more try. Okay. So since this was the case for the next one, I'll go with uh, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> that was a good try, since it definitely held true in his case. But three strikes and you're out. This great insight came from none other than the late and great personal finance philosopher, the notorious B.I.G., Wow, who knew he had such great insight into all of this? I know, right? In fact, he did a song about this. Here's a little snippet. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it is a good problem to have, but for some, more money can lead to more problems, or so I'm learning. You are learning. Did you ever think that you would do a podcast that had the notorious B.I.G.? You're welcome. That's all for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to go to one of the saddest examples, and we talked about it earlier. You talked about a lottery winner, and we're going to talk about Jack Whitaker. So Jack, he was a businessman who in 2002 won $314.9 million in the Powerball lottery. And at this time, it was the largest jackpot ever won by a single winning lottery ticket. Can you even imagine? <laughs> no, no. I can't. Uh -uh. Less than one year after he won this amount, thieves broke into his car while he was at a strip club of all places mm -hmm. and stole $545,000 in cash that he carried around in a suitcase. I mean, not that I have personal experience with this, but something tells me that combining over a half a million dollars 
with a strip club will never lead to anything good. Yep, I think that's a good call. To make matters even worse, though, in another incident, two employees at this club were arrested and charged with a plot to put drugs in Jack's drinks and then rob him. I mean, this guy. So you win that much money, and it's bad news. 2004 brought even more for him. In January of that year, thieves broke into his car yet again, and this time made off with $200,000 in cash. So I guess at least he learned he didn't have 500000 right? In September, his granddaughter's boyfriend was found dead in his house after overdosing on drugs. Then in December, his own granddaughter was found behind a dumped van, lifeless. Cocaine and meth were found in her system. Wow, the story just gets worse and worse. So numerous tragedies continued in Jack's life. The final blow occurred in December 2016 when his house burned down. So again, to make matters worse, Jack stated his house was not even insured. I mean, it just shows. So I know it does sound like such a horrible one of those stories. You know, it's definitely tragic and it's probably to the extreme. First off, winning that much money and then all these bad things that happen. But I kind of feel that money makes us more of who we are. So if we're generous, it allows us to give more money away. However, if we have some personal demons, it can make them become a lot worse. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that there's some truth in to what Biggie's words were, right? More money can lead to more problems if we're not careful. And I think in this case with Jack, it goes to show as well a lack of education and what to do with your money. Yes. And when you look at most rags to riches and then riches back to rags stories, one common theme exists. People who do not know how to properly manage money often end up in worse situations than they were in before they had money. And this holds true in way too many situations, from actors and musicians to athletes and lottery winners. Yeah. And like I said, we just kind of showed Jack's example today. There are plenty of other things, people out there. I mean, I, I, famous celebrities, top of my head, that have gone bankrupt. MC Hammer was one, Cindy Lauper, Willie Nelson, Heck, even Donald Trump. And he did it maybe for business reasons, but he filed for bankruptcy. So there's a lot of people, even if you make a lot of money, if you don't know how to properly manage it, you're probably going to end up either broke or sometimes even in a worse situation than you were before. And, you know, for us, this is, to me, why Mentoro exists. It's to help you understand how to manage your money properly. No matter how much you make or win from a scratch-off, the same basic money principles apply. Exactly. When we have that foundation of education and we understand how we can put our money to work for us, no matter how much money that is, if that's a starting salary and you're still working to build your career, or if you're at the peak of your career making so much money, we want to be able to show people how to use that money to their advantage so that they can separate the concepts of money and happiness and see that the two don't necessarily have to be linked. They can definitely work to enforce one another, but they don't necessarily have to be linked. You don't have to spend money to be happy or have a lot to be happy. No. Like the great Biggie said, mo money, mo problems. Well, I think that's the perfect note to end on. <laughs> that's all the time we have for today. Danny, thank you so much for chatting with me. And thank you all for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. 
Run with the Bulls is sponsored by Mentora and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.